Good evening and welcome to episode 80 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2014 Australian National Champion and 2014 World's Top 16 competitor Jesse Marshall. Hello. The webmaster of the Android Netrunner Comprehensive Unofficial Rules, Jacob Morris. Hey there. 2015 Regional Champion and 2015 Australian Nationals Top 8 competitor, Wolfie Hurry. Hey, what's up? And I'm your host, Brian Holland, and this week we are diving into the corporation side of uh, democracy and dogma, DAG for short, we've decided. Uh, anything before you get started, guys? Dad? DAG. Hmm? D-A-G, right? D-A-D, I'm D-A-D. Just, I'm, just, I'm just going off the Netrunner DB abbreviation. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. D-A-D. <laughs> the notorious D-A-G. And if there's no How complaints... How did they come up with that? Okay. <laughs> well, Dad was already taken for Data and Destiny, presumably. Oh, yeah. all right. Oh, we were calling, everyone was calling that D&D. D&D and Dad which is, is what which I is, Which is Wilfie's favourite new pastime, I believe, too. That will definitely be discussed only on our other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first Haas Spyroid card is Voting Machine Initiative. It's an agenda initiative, advancement five, score three. Place three agenda counters on Voting Machine Initiative when you score it. When the runner's turn begins, you may spend one hosted agenda counter. If you do, the runner loses a click if able. Just quickly, Jacob, this, because the way it's worded, doesn't mean you can spend more than one counter yeah, at any given time, it right? It says specifically one, so... I mean, if you yeah. had more than one scored, you can spend one from each, just like House of Knives, but only one at a time. The efficiency expert. Um, is this card efficient? This card is okay. I think and the main problem is that of the other five for threes, especially ones which don't provide abilities that, like, allow you to do very very broken things in like efficient ways like this card gives you a small bonus on each of your turns each of compresses each of the runners turns slightly which does make it easier to score your next agenda but it's not like it does something that can't be replicated by any other effect in the game like the other playable um cards the other playable agendas with score abilities kind of do um, and especially comparing it to Global Food Initiative, which is now the gold standard, or maybe the food standard for um, five oh. It really doesn't seem like the ability you get is that much better than the drawback of having your three-pointer worth three points to the runner, which is a very severe drawback, even if it's one we had to deal with for most of the game yeah exactly it seems yeah as you're saying like that seems to be a comparison that we've never had to make ever since uh almost before global food came out uh jesse do you feel similarly i think this is probably one of the lower end five for threes in terms of power level five for threes that do um sort of damage uh what does project wotan do oh it gives extra um gives extra and the run so yeah, I mean, pretty, even even Project garbage. Wotan is probably better um, is it? in terms of helping you. Well, it's in terms of helping you score your next agenda, being able to give your Heimdall 2.0 another end the run subroutine or whatever can certainly uh, help on that key turn at, get, at helping you score your next agenda. But the problem with it always was that it was a five for three and that it didn't really help you economically. And this card, I mean, we've already spoken in the last pack. Uh, sorry, in the last review of this pack, uh, about how much less, <clears throat> pardon me, a runner click is worth than a corp click when we're talking about Akshara Serene. It's just not as important on the runner's turn often to have that one extra click. Yes, there are going to be times where that one click is the difference between them being out again and them not. But the as Wilfie's spoken about quite rightly, the risk of this being stolen and being worth three points to them and how f- much closer that gets them to winning the game uh, is a massive risk compared to the upside of you maybe being able to disrupt their turns sufficiently to give yourself a scoring window. But as I said, I don't even think that scoring window um, is as likely to be opened as with something like Project Wotan, where you're actually giving yourself and the run subroutines. Uh, the next HB card is Clone Suffrage Movement. We spent a bit of time before we started recording talking about what's going on in the art. So if anyone thinks they know, please please shoot us an email or tweet at us. Yeah, That's and I, an- I, when Brian asked, I actually pretended that I had some idea and then I just I had <laughs> to admit got, that I had way too no idea. <laughs> you're like, I, actually... <laughs> I've puzzled over it so many times. I've looked at it and I've been like, I really want to understand this card because it's an interesting concept. Should coins be out of vote very interesting yeah. but what is going on please uh, <laughs> it's an asset political res one trash two influence two when your turn begins you may add one operation from archives to hq if there are no ice protecting this server so this is the hb copy of the uh, no ice asset cycle and it seems like a pretty powerful effect um wilfie do you dig it yes 
Yes and no. Do I'm you want to hedge really fund sure every time? Think about this card, just because I don't really think that HB in the way the HB decks are currently configured, it's very easy to protect. Like you can't go horizontal very easily in the core HB identity. I think compared to many other decks, so it's best used as out of faction. But I think the ability is very powerful just because recurring operations at reasonably efficient costs is not really something that we've gotten before in the sense that you can do it mul potentially multiple times in a game. Of course you have archive memories but that's not the best. Archive memory thing for an operation is not as good as potentially being able to recur that operation multiple times but of course you have to do some work to make the no ice protecting this server thing work. Uh, I think one thing... No, I was going to say that one thing someone suggested is use it with blue sun and then recur the ice, but then I remember that they can just like not run the server the next turn, and then you just have a useless ice sitting behind your useless... sitting in front of your useless clone suffrage movement. So that's probably not the way to go, but of course people are putting it in the biolock uh, genomics decks or other types of genomics decks just because the chance of getting multiple activations on, on it and recurring something which you really want to use to further your game plan is really strong if you can manage the drawback. Yeah, and being able to recur a neural every turn just means you've got an extra bioethics association essentially at all times, which is pretty oppressive. A lot of luck with this card actually in Blue Sun just using Amazon Industrial Zone because then you can throw down uh, something like even big and gross like um, curtain wall and just net three credits off of it every turn once you build up enough um, momentum and then you just recur right. like hedge fund sea source scorched earth whatever you're doing with your blue sun deck and that's pretty crazy and that's definitely something that Wayland has always wanted to be able to do is to get those powerful operations back and be more consistent and if you can, you know, in the early to mid game, be recurring your hedge funds every turn, and then in the later game, be getting back your kill pieces, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and since this is the first political asset, it's worth mentioning too that that combo does work with Blue Sun, where you stack the triggers, do Blue Sun first, then you get to do the political because now it no longer has ice in front of it, um, which is the basis of the combo. If, if in theory I had a Himitsubaku in front of my political asset, When's the last window that I could bounce my Himitsubaku so this triggers? Uh, there's a paid ability window where you would, like, res advertisements and stuff, so it's at the same spot that that would be in. Yeah, right before the win turn begins. The next card is Jesse's new favorite card, Bioethics Association. It's <laughs> Asset Political Res 1 Trash 2 Influence 2. When your turn begins, do one net damage if there is no ice protecting the server. Jesse, why are you getting a Bioethics tattoo? That actually hurt me a little bit inside when you said that, Brian. Um, yeah, I think I think this card's a pretty big mistake in terms of printing it. Um, I don't really understand why it's been printed. It breaks what seems to be the design principle for damage, which was that corpse could only hurt you in reaction most of the time. Um, there were some limited ways that they could do it, uh, whether it was posted bounting into a scorched earth or whether it was advancing a Ronin a few times or... Um, advancing a contract killer and getting rid of it but both contract killer and ronin trash themselves posted bounty is a huge risk and quite difficult to do all this requires you to do is to have an asset in play it doesn't only do the damage once proactively it does it every single turn for the rest of the game until the runner gets rid of it um and as we've seen with the genomics decks coming out the downside of having no ice protecting the server is basically irrelevant uh, particularly when you can be recurring these with such speed as those decks are able to with museum of history and jackson combined um so yeah i'm I've been pretty disappointed to see this card come into the game, to be honest, just because you have to dedicate so much of your runner deck to being able to deal with this quickly enough and efficiently enough um, uh, before it either kills you or locks you out of the game to the point where, uh, you know, 80 to 100% of your cards every turn are being trashed into the bin, which means your deck's basically irrelevant and you're having to just rely on random accesses on R&D. Um, and that's not a particularly fun game for anyone to play. Um, some it doesn't people feel like playing Netrunner. No, some people have likened it to Stasis in Magic the Gathering, which is a card that can just completely... 
I know, sorry, Wolfie, I keep making these comparisons. I don't want to upset anyone, but I think it was a very apt comparison. Um, it's a card in Magic that lets you basically tap your things to tap your opponent's things, which means they can't use them. Uh, and it lets you get to the point where your opponent basically can't do anything on any of their turns and they're trying to get out from behind this lock. Um, and that's exactly what this deck does, is it locks your opponent out and it means they're having to spend most of their resources to all of their resources on their turn recovering from what you've done to them to make sure they don't die on the next turn and just to quell the haters out there who may be uh, getting a bit worked up with what jesse said i I think we're aware that if uh industrial genomics as an identity didn't exist this card wouldn't be as powerful but i think as jesse's clarified he's referring to this card in that particular deck where it's extremely hard to deal with yeah, so, I mean, for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of playing against <laughs> that deck quite a few times, I mean, I've been basically spending the last week or so um, trying to test and tune runner decks to deal a bit more effectively with those decks, and I found it to be quite a frustrating and difficult experience. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, there are a lot of other decks that um, I find a gr- an enormous amount of gratification and challenge in testing and tuning my runner decks against, whether it's... Um, uh, food coats which is which can feel quite oppressive but i find a good challenge or fast advance or replicating perfection or polana which is also really powerful and can be frustrating but but those those games still require you to play a game of netrunner exactly and every choice you make um is relevant and you feel like you have multiple choices and multiple options that could lead you to victory in different ways um whereas with this i feel like you're funneled into a very limited game and you have to play the corpse game very quickly almost from turn one um, yeah, so I, I find that quite quite difficult. Um, uh, there are a lot of other decks that we'll, uh, I guess, talk about with some of the other cards because there are a lot of really powerful coil cards in this pack. Um, and there are some other decks, the um, NBN horizontal decks using Sensi Actors Union, etc., that um, are also really interesting new ways of exploring the what's come to be known as asset spam archetype. Uh, but I think the bioethics lock where the court player is... Uh, so for those of you who haven't, who haven't encountered it... Oh, sorry, I didn't actually end up telling you what it is. It's basically, you're, as the corp, you're trying to get three bioethics association into play and a genetics pavilion, which only allows your the runner to draw two cards every turn. So they're taking three damage, but they're only able to draw two cards every turn, uh, which eventually is obviously going to wear them down and kill them. Um, and that deck often will the corp deck won't actually be trying to score agendas they'll just be recurring them with museum of history uh and waiting for their lock to kill the opponent waiting for the damage lock to kill the opponent uh wolfie what's your experience playing with this card uh actually i haven't had uh probably as much experience playing against bioethics as many other people uh since i haven't played for a little bit now that we're in the kind of post-store championships pre-regionals lull um but i will say that it obviously enables a strategy which is very linear try very linear and obviously very powerful and it's hard to put cards in your deck that's that are good against this kind of strategy that also are not complete blanks in other matchups and yeah not only that it's difficult to play strategies like in in a macro sense it's even difficult to play strategies which are good against this and not in other matchups just because the linear thing it does is not very similar to any other deck in modern netrunner or maybe even historical netrunner but we'll leave that for now and the fact that such a linear deck exists like this definitely does lead to some constrictions in the types of runner decks that can be played uh, the next card is Political Dealings. It's an asset CD, res 4, trash 3, influence 4. Whenever you draw an agenda, you may reveal and install it. Very sort of niche ability, very high influence cost. Wilfie, will you be using it? Mm, I'm fairly down on this card, although a bunch of people seem to think that it has a lot of good places to fit into. But I just... Um, one, three, three cost assets are already at the point where they need to do something really good and in order to uh, get past the drawback that they might realistically just not survive for any turns to uh, you know deal with the drawback that they might get accessed and get trashed without costing the runner any resources one particular runner um, which means that they need to have quite a powerful effect on the turn that you res them to manage that and 
cards which you have to res them before you're sure whether you you might get an effect out of them like uh what's the three three to res two to trash uh asset when you when they access something you put into your score area franchise city um also has a kind of similar similarly powerful effect where you know you could get a free agenda point but the fact that you have to put pour the resources into it before you know whether it's going to be useful or not kind of doomed it to be unplayable uh doomed it from playability like i think this and that's card... probably even easier to control than this is i mean you could use that in a harp deck and you know install that and an agenda and only res it if they're past the window where they can jack out running the agenda right? yeah whereas with this you literally can't control it at all there are cards that do that i mean you, there's precognition architect sorry you see things there's like a tiny True. tiny amount of control <laughs> there is and, and there's um the card from the last pack heritage committee heritage, heritage yeah. yeah yeah but i don't know like the ability does seem strong but jinteki definitely doesn't seem like the best faction to have it and i think the man the resource cost on this card is just too high for something which might not do anything in the game where you draw it even in the you know close to best case scenario where they actually leave it for one turn or a number of turns and it's also probably worth saying that even if you do play some sort of heritage committee or precog combo the top card of r&d is never a safe place to be leaving agendas no um jacob i've got a question for you regarding this card if I have this and a daily business show resed and I trigger my daily business show to draw an additional card and put one of them on the bottom and one of the cards I draw is an agenda, can I trigger this to install that and then choose to put the other card in my hand or at the bottom of my deck or what happens there? Yeah. It, in this case, actually, since it's talking... Uh, since daily business show specifically talks about cards, uh, it doesn't have any memory of like when things get installed or uninstalled. Um, so you could even return the agenda to the bottom of the deck if you wanted after you would uh, right. Right, so if you triggers. draw two agendas yeah. and install both of them do you have to put one on the bottom you still do right and do you still have to put one into your hand uh no because you already drew them <laughs> okay sure sure yeah. sure oh, i just had one of the drawn cards to the yeah, bottom exactly. of your deck right yeah yeah all right cool how do you like how do you like this card uh you guys have already That's the fun rules interactions covered everything <laughs> i mean i don't see why this costs four credits because yeah it's quite a high cost yeah for, for a very that won't, niche effect exactly yeah. and the thing that jesse said just a minute ago is like the thing that really kills it for me is the top of r&d i mean i used to play precognition a lot uh back when in the core set days and that it seems like that sort of like jinteki mind games people get really excited about that but it's never it those <coughs> mind games don't work games. they'll just always run r&d <laughs> and you won't win the mind game. Uh, the next card is something that Wolfie Horrig spouts to me often and very unprompted. Clones are not people. Just at every occasion I can, oh. really. <laughs> you can, yeah. We'll just be sitting there in silence and you'll be like, clones are not people, Brian. I'm or in your birthday card. card last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Brian, happy birthday. Oh, By the way, gosh. clones are not people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cheers, I mate. just want to uh, interrupt this by saying that I actually do think clones are people and like, uh, if you look at the flavor, it's very clear that, like, Byroids and clones are not, like, distinct. Or, like, from a world... From a viewpoint of where we are now, people wouldn't think Byroids and clones are distinct. But uh, about the card. I, I No, I just quickly want to interrupt your interruption to point out that you've obviously read some flavor, <laughs> which which I think warrants its own have podcast I? episode, perhaps. Yeah, You just said if you look at the flavor, which you clearly I have. Mean, like, if you look at this card and, like... <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Backpedaling, backpedaling. All right, it's an Operation Current, cost three, influence three. This card is not trashed until another current is played or an agenda is stolen. When you score an agenda, add clones and not people to your score area as an agenda worth one agenda point. This is the um, mirror version of the runner card we saw in the same pack, uh, Freedom Through Equality. Uh, Jesse, do you think it has a similar power level? Um, well... Uh considering that we did the uh, Akshara Serene analysis that involved considering um, how much a, cl- a click is worth to a runner and a corp, I think it's probably worth analysing this similarly. Um, corp currents are more difficult f- for the corp to control than runner currents. So if you have a corp current and a runner current, um, I think that 
the runner current is going to be more powerful because it's easier for the runner to fulfill the trash condition than the corp most of the time. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, so, so it's, it's easier for the runner to control when the corp scores than for the corp to control when the runner scores. Yes, yeah. correct. But it's also so I think easier for the corp to control when they score. Yes, so that's the second point. So um, a runner can um, uh, be assured only of accesses on cards that they suspect, perhaps very strongly, are agendas in remotes. But generally, a corp is not going to give you... This is what we discussed last week with Freedom from Equality. If it's a remote that you're planning on getting your agenda from, um, generally a corp is not going to give you a slam dunk access to an agenda in a remote. Um, you're going to have to be on the borderline of whether you can afford to get in or not. Uh, and perhaps that extra click and the three credits are going to be what prevents you from getting in. And if you're on a central, you're not going to be assured of finding agendas there most of the time. You're just going to figure that you've got a pretty good chance because you're multi-accessing. As a corp, however, um, you can actually be sure that you're going to be scoring an agenda that turn. Uh, so in that sense, this is possibly more powerful, I think, than freedom from equality, um, putting aside that in general corp and runner currents that are exactly the same text and exactly the same cost, the runner one will be better. I think, as you say, Wilfie, just because the corp has a little more control um, over this, it is probably a little bit better. Um, that being said, it is also a little bit harder for a corp to play a current and spend a click on the turn they're planning to score an agenda uh, some of the time, unless they've already got it installed with some advancement counters on it, perhaps the motion or something like that. Uh, so that maybe balances it out and maybe tips it back the other way. I don't really know. I'd have to test out the two cards a little bit more and think about um, exactly what corp decks you'd want to be playing this in where you can afford to have the extra click spent doing this on the turn that you're scoring your agendas. Not to mention the three credits yeah. as well. Yeah. I do wonder if this has a place in a CI build that wants to just turn credits into points. Uh, potentially to get around like Leela or Quat or something like that. But at three influence of pop, that might be a little difficult to pull off, perhaps. Yeah, I'm fairly sure the list that's been going around just has zero spare influence to spend on anything. Yeah, it's going to be a little tough. Uh, the next card is Sensi Actors Union. It's an asset, political, res zero, trash two, influence two. When your turn begins, you may draw three cards if there's no ice protecting the server. If you do, add one card from HQ to the bottom of R&D. I really love yellow cards. I really love this kind of effect. Like, Lily, Lily Lockwell is one of my favorite cards, even though it hasn't quite proven itself to be particularly powerful. I love off-click uh, drawing. And uh, this is a really cool effect, but as Jesse's about to highlight, it could be problematic again with the IG deck that's going around. Jesse? Yeah, I found this to be just... It, it's not at the core of everything that's wrong with that deck. Um, I think Bioethics Association is really the problem. Uh, and this card exacerbates the problem because when you do trash the Bioethics and they do shuffle the Bioethics back in with their museum, this card lets them get to it so much more quickly again um and it means that as the runner you're always just so far behind in trying to slow that deck down because they're drawing three cards a turn and getting to keep two of them not only does that get them closer to discarding cards and making it harder for you to trash things because the trash costs increasing um but it also lets them select the cards that they want really really efficiently um it is it is too influence but those decks can still afford to play two possibly even three uh, without foregoing too much else, and the card selection is just outrageous at that point. Wolfie, how do you think it stands up against something like uh, Daily Business Show? Yeah, I think this card is really, really good um, in a wide range of decks, but I will just point out that I originally thought it was like Daily Business Show in that you had to add one of the three cards that you drew, but it turns out you have to. You can add any card, which is just a ridiculous boost to the power level. Yeah, that's the, actually a good point. Didn't notice yeah, compared that. Compared to yeah. the imaginary card that, I did, that didn't actually exist. <laughs> but I guess the point is that that bonus really allows it to shine in a lot more situations just because it, it gives you a much higher ability to sculpt your hand, in particular the number of agendas that are in your hand, um, which, of course, is a very strong ability for the corp to have and having it on a card which kind of like Jackson is good even when you're not flooded agenda flooded or agenda screwed is kind of 
powerful. Of course, uh, we ha do have to talk about the drawback that um, there has to be no ice protecting the server, of course, but I think um, yellow, the yellow horizontal decks, especially in the Earth Hub, kind of have the highest chance of having a uh, remote stay for a turn um, just because the runner doesn't want to check it in terms of those um, the kind of asset uh, so, sorry, in terms of the kind of horizontal kind of decks the drawback is minimized by the fact that you can res it your opponent doesn't check it, you can res it, use the ability and then you can do something next turn that makes them really not want to spend their click going to trash this even disregarding something like industrial genomics's um, boost to trash costs and so I think it actually has a wide a chance to have a, a wide effect in a lot of different corp decks, especially horizontal-styled ones. Mm -hmm. So you think if uh, getting this to trigger once is worth the card? Yeah, I think once is like... Zero times, obviously, is not good, but that's the price with any asset. But once, can, I think, puts you far ahead. Once is about anonymous tip level, uh, because like I think putting... A card from it's HQ better. to the bottom is yeah. Sorry, yeah, it's better. It's it probably better. I think credits too. As in, I think it's better than an honest tip if this fires once. Yeah. Uh, because you've still got your three cards, but you've got rid of your worst card, so that's actually a bonus. I think at that point for the court most of the time. Sure. Yeah. I, I, that's. I was going to say that. Yeah, it might even be a yeah. little better, even though you're down on raw card volume, but. The getting it to fire twice, I think, just like like many of the assets that those kind of horizontal yellow decks play, like Turtlebacks and Team Sponsorship, and I guess Sansan kind of still counts, even though it's an upgrade, getting those kind of cards to fire twice just put you really far ahead in terms of winning the game. Or like for Turtlebacks, getting it to stay in play for two turns. So I think that's kind of the hump that an asset has to fill to be good in those kind of decks, that like the right you... Reset and the runner really has to spend the next turn trashing it, even though the tempo boost you get from this, or like you know, the ability to do something good on your next turn is so strong that it makes the runner not want to trash this on their turn. I think that's the hallmark of a good card like this. I just want to circle back briefly and use that moment to say, I think, Wilfie, what you've outlined there is why this card is interesting and good uh, and a good thing for the game. Um, and also why I think that in a deck where you basically can't interact with it efficiently, which is the IG deck, why it's such a problem um, and why I think that deck does need some MWL attention or some attention um, to bring it in because it means that the the spike or the differential in power level of assets like this is just so big because when you're pretty much guaranteed to be triggering it every turn for the rest of the game, it's obviously off its head. Um but where it's in a deck, in that NBN deck, where the runner can interact with it and it's sort of a bit of a, um interesting decision for the runner. Do I go and trash it? Do I not? How much can I let them have it? And the two credits is what you're considering. It's actually just an interesting fair card. And it's strongest in the kind of... In, in those yellow decks, it's strongest in the decks where, A, not... Like, you have enough remotes that you can't... That you just get value out of them not being able to check every remote, necessarily. Yeah. The first Wayland card is Commercial Bankers Group, Asset Political Res 1 Trash 2 Influence 2. When your turn begins, gain 3 credits if there is no ice protecting the server. Jesse, is this the card Wayland needed, or are they getting the short end of the stick in this cycle? Um, I think the Commercial Bankers are popping up the most in IG again. <laughs> um, oh, really? <laughs> if, yeah, I mean, all four of these political assets are playable in that IG deck. It's just about what you think your deck wants the most. If you're not playing Mumba Temple, um, you can play Commercial Bankers Group instead uh, to give you your economy boost. Uh, if you're not playing Turtlebacks, you can play Commercial Bankers Group instead, uh, possibly giving you a boost more quickly if the runner isn't able to go in and trash it, which they're unlikely to be able to do to trash both these and your bioethics as well. Um, so I think, yeah, it's fine in those decks. It's quite good in those decks, like pretty much any asset, particularly these political assets that have probably pushed abilities because they've got a drawback, and if you're neutralizing that drawback, you're just getting the pushed ability instead. Um, in, in to outside that, um, outside the IG deck, I don't think Wayland has a way to leverage this to make it useful other than the Blue Sun combo that Jacob was mentioning earlier. 
so if you if you want to play it in that blue sun combo deck you can uh, it can turn your three net from your amazon industrial zone curtain wall into six net a turn which is nothing to sneeze at uh, but your clone suffrage movement is going to be better i think most of the time because it's more versatile it can if it gets you a hedge fund you're getting four credits but extra out of it um and you've got the versatility of being able to get your kill pieces as well uh but this is in faction so certainly something worth looking at inkagaran though the fact that they can go in and trash it for three makes it not particularly good it's a net in gagarin specifically it's a net of two on the first turn and if they trash immediately you're basically down or it, you're basically only netting one credit difference because yeah. they're crashing for three. So it's not actually that great of a deal. Uh, I did try it in the Blue Sun deck, and yeah, clicking for six a turn is cool, but clicking for seven is better every time. Um, so I don't know. I, I found the suffrage movement to be much more useful, personally. Next card is Mumbad City Hall. Asset Facility, Government, Res 1, Trash 3, Influence 1. It has the ability click, search R&D for an Alliance card, reveal it, and play or install it, paying all costs. Shuffle R&D. I was saying before the show started that I really like that a card like this exists. I think this tutoring ability, uh, just for a click, that also allows you to play it at the same time for that click is a really good way to sort of push the power level. But I think we <laughs> I think we agreed that uh, perhaps going for the Alliance card pool was maybe not the wisest of decisions. Jesse, you want to touch on that? Yeah, so one of the problems with this um, in terms of power... Again, in the IG deck, this is the last time I'm going to go on about that in Mention this episode, it, yeah. I promise. Um, yeah. uh, is that if you have this early, you can spam out all your Mumba Temples or two Mumba Temples and a museum. Um, if the runner goes in and trashes this, you can put it back in with your museum and you've got Mumba Temples and you can already get going on your um, assets because your Mumba Temples over the next few turns are going to be... Um, generating you heaps of money and getting you far ahead and the runner spent three credits and a click trashing this stupid card um if they trash the mumba temples instead you can put them back in with your museum of history and immediately tutor for them again um if they trash your museum you can just go get your other museum with this and then put the first one back in the next turn and um go get it with this again so there's really no good place for the runner, particularly in that deck. If it, if your things are costing one or two more because you've got one or two cards in the yard early, sorry, in the in the heap, uh, what's it called, archives early, um, uh, and yeah, if you've got one or two extra face down cards in archives early, things cost one or two more to trash. It just makes it impossible for the runner to have any play against that that is at all profitable for them. Um, so yeah, I just don't like the fact that it's so explosive that the turn you res it you just get this combination of cards and not only a combination of cards that's good but that actively disincentivizes the runner from trashing and interacting with them because museum allows you to shuffle things back in and this immediately allows you to go get them again it's just so difficult for a runner to interact with that profitably weird thing and or kind of dumb thing about this card just from a pure rules perspective is that you can be drawing cards that you're looking at while searching your deck and other weird nonsense like that. And we, we kind of covered on this in a previous episode, but that kind of interaction just, it encourages, well, no, it doesn't strictly encourage, but it, it allows some unscrupulous plays. Is this because of its interaction with uh, Heritage Committee? Yeah, yeah, could you explain that to us, Jacob? Because I'm actually still a bit hazy on that. <laughs> yeah, just because uh, Shuffle R&D is the very last thing it says in this card, right? So that when you uh, when you play the Heritage Committee, you actually know what you're going to draw because you're searching R&D at the same time. Exactly. Because of, ne- ne- of the nested triggers, yeah. And if you're so still- similar to what we saw with Hostage and uh, Off-Campus Apartment, exactly. I believe that's when that first came up, Yeah, right? and if you're playing any other alliances, you can go fetch something if you don't like those cards like because you don't have to choose right away so you look at your deck you see the top three and you can decide well i don't really want those three cards so i'll just play the pad factory instead or the you know museum sorry is actually probably what people would be playing but um that that kind of choice especially in like any other situation like neh where you could be drawing four cards instead of the three off of the click like there's just a lot of and most people like when they pick up a deck Obviously, you're not supposed to do this, but out of habit, kind of will f- change the order of R&D while you're searching. So yeah, it's it just poses a, a sort of 
tax on playing the game that doesn't necessarily need to be there. You should just yeah. always shuffle before that ever even becomes an issue. Yeah. From just like a purely design perspective. Yeah, we love nested triggers. As in, it would be, just to clarify, Jacob, it would be preferable if this card said search R&D, shuffle, and then play or install? Yeah, something like that. Like if it ad- added to your hand and then shuffled and then said, you now play that card if you were Yeah, you, just a slight rewording exactly. on the card would fix it. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you clarify what happens if you want to say, say you want to play Heritage Committee if the three cards are non-agendas, but you don't heritage committee or copies of heritage committee are the only uh alliance cards in your deck like say maybe you have one heritage committee is the second card and one is the like 17th card or whatever and so you have to choose to play a heritage committee but you can choose which of the two heritage committees to play yeah yeah you can choose which one it doesn't matter um, you can fail to find, but you right? no, you cannot fail to find. Is the other thing? Oh, really? Yeah, that's the that's so the I, final piece of this puzzle that makes it kind of. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my, I have to let my game. opponent know that I don't have any alliance cards left in my deck, or I do, and then I have to sh- what? I show them my deck so they can look through and see if they believe me. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. You're gonna want to call a judge if someone claims to fail to find, specifically because that language doesn't exist in Netrunner, but also. Usually a reminder is enough if someone doesn't know or remember that rule, in my experience, but it could get ugly if you're like at the top table or on the bubble and looking to get in the cut and you're just like need that edge, you know. And is that a general rule, Jacob, that if something allows you to search R&D for a specific thing and there is that thing in your deck, you have to find one? Yeah, that's a, just a rule for Netrunner, period. If you ever search, you have to find it if you're able to. Uh, the next Wayland card is Bailiff. It's an Ice Barrier Res 2, Strength 0, Influence 2. Whenever the runner breaks a subroutine on Bailiff, gain one credit. End the run. Um, I'll just, well, Jesse, just quickly. Thoughts? I think we all spoke about it. Yeah, it's, it's fairly underwhelming. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I guess, wanted to put out there that I, I should have before this episode and didn't count up exactly how many Wayland barriers there are in the game that just say end the run. Uh, I, I mentioned it when I was... I think there were nine that do nothing other than end the run. Yeah. Um, and this... This makes ten. ...basically contributes to that. I mean, it, it's sure, it has some other tiny ability, but it basically just reads end the run. Um, and that's disappointing from a design perspective. Um, yes, uh, we... I know we asked in the past, and when I wrote my article about Wayland, I spoke about Wayland needing more abilities on ice that interact um, on another level, other than just being subroutines, and this is sort of an attempt at that. Uh, it's like an attempt to bring in the NBN, the Tollbooth pop-up window type abilities, but in a different way for Wayland that penalizes the runner for actually breaking the subroutines. And that's an innovative way, uh, innovative design idea, and I like that. The problem with it on this particular card uh, is that there seems to be a premium on the res cost of the card to make up for the expectation that you're going to be getting back a credit, which is not actually true. Well, I would, card... have thought that, I would have thought that the premium on the res cost there is to avoid any direct comparison with an existing card, which would make this just a better version of that card. As in like if, Yeah, if they made it, if they made it as, uh, zero and zero, it's just a, a better version of Paperwall. And if it's one and one, then it's well, a better Well, I just don't think that's wall. true. Like, I, I think zero strength is really relevant. And if it was zero and zero and had this ability, firstly, it's in faction. And I think in faction cards are allowed to be a little more powerful than neutral cards. Um, and secondly, being zero strength is very relevant compared to one. If it was zero and one... to one, yeah, yeah, zero and one. And it had I mean. the ability, yeah, yeah. then I can you know, yeah. definitely see that that's just a direct comparison to paper and it's just better. Um but that's very different to where this is. Like, that's sort of three numbers different. It's two higher res cost and one lower strength. And I think that's just hit misses the mark by too far. The gap is too wide. Um, because, yeah, what I was going to say about not getting the benefit when you first res it is if you're successful and, they don't, and it actually ends the run, uh, you're behind two credits from where you were. And they can just then parasite it because it's zero strength. 
and you're still down two credits. Whereas if you had a paper wall or something instead, um, you're down less. So in a sort of Wayland Rush deck that's not looking to be controlly, this is worse. Then you say to me, well, Jesse, what about a situation where they're going to be breaking this heaps? Isn't this just much better than paper wall because paper wall goes away? So have this on R&D. Yes, listener, you are correct. Having this on something like R&D or HQ or on a server that they're going to be running through consistently is a very good thing. But again, having zero strength means that against a large selection of the runner metagame, or a large section of the runner metagame, I should say, um, it's going to just die to Parasite immediately, uh, which again, when you're spending two credits to res it, puts you far behind uh, and is not what you want if you're building a controlling shell anyway. You're gonna, you, the number of zero strength or low strength ice you're going to, be want to be, want, going to want to be playing is very low um, and you want them to be quite powerful and yes you gaining a credit every time they run through is okay but they might only do that five or six times in the game so you're gaining five or six you're thinking i'm going to put this in my control deck as a way for me to graft an advantage in the long game fine but it's just going to die immediately to parasite anyway because it's so weak that's just not good enough so i'd like to see this breakability on a larger piece of ice um something a bit more interesting than just an end the run i think uh that really encourages them to break and says if you don't break me the first time i res it i'm going to penalize you in some way by trashing a program or whatever so you're pretty much guaranteed that the time you first time you break it um sorry the first time you res it it's going to be broken which means you're recouping your money or you're getting some other benefit on a flat and the run ice i think the ability is a bit boring for reference that's a 12 wayland barriers that only end the run oh very good that is a lot. <laughs> wonderful how exciting that's, that's a great use <laughs> Uh, you know, Wayland's color pie to get just a bunch of... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely did complain about this, I think, uh, in some previous episode, I think. The last card for the pack is Surat City Grid. It's an upgrade, region, res 2, trash 3, influence 2. It's a Wayland card. Whenever you res a card in or protecting the server, not including Surat City Grid, you may res another card, lowering the res cost by 2, limit 1 region per server. An interesting card, to say the least. Uh, I think it reminds me of Mumbad City Grid. Is that the one where you switch ice? Yeah. Yeah, just because it seems to be a powerful effect. It's A, a powerful effect that we haven't really seen. There's no good direct comparison for it previously. Like, that has been playable, that we can point at this card and be like, it's slightly better or slightly worse uh, in certain situations. But it's a card which I think is... It would be very hard to find a shell for that actually does something. Like, I just imagine that you play this card, you res it, you res, like, something else in the server, some other, some defensive upgrade or useful asset, then you res all the ice in the server, and then you res something else, you know, in a different server. And, like, yeah, I guess that's a fairly powerful thing to do. You get a fairly significant saving if all of those cards actually do something, but how do you it's going to be hard to mobilize that into some sort of actual advantage even if the power level of the card is i think like high enough that you could actually do that the real the fact which i didn't realize first at looking at the card is that it can res things in other servers so like it's not like you only can res it's not like you only play it you get one lot of resing everything in the server but and then you also get to use the discount on something else so like it's not like it wastes any ice that you ice or things that you put there after you res everything. You, you know, can still get an advantage from putting things, trying to build up the mega server, which does make it a lot more flexible because you don't have to necessarily play this and then use the advantage only on cards which are already on the board. You can put things in that server and still get an advantage. So I think all those factors end up with a playable card, but. In, I'm just really not sure what kind of deck would want this effect. Yeah, the the one deck... So, my problem with this card... I mean, it's great effect. I think the cost and trash are, like, spot on as far as balance goes. The problem is, as a region, it has to fight for everything else that you would want to do. Right? Like, it's not going to help you be Sand Sand. It's not going to help you... Um, if you're playing Blue Sun, you can't put it in the same server as a bunch of other things. Um, but the one cool deck, which I did see played recently, is this with Brain Taping Warehouse. Because Brain Taping Warehouse allows you to res th th uh, Biroids 
at minus one for each click that the runner has. And they always have those clicks at the start of the turn, and now that they've added a paid ability window between start of the turn and triggers and actions and everything, you can actually res and use this to res a Bioroid at minus six or minus 10, even up to minus 14. Um, Is that because you can have multiple brain taping warehouses? Yeah, exactly. So if you have even one uh, brain taping warehouse and this, you can start resing a huge giant server of uh, bioroids for crazy, crazy discounts. Or even just one every turn on R&D or like whatever you want to be doing. Hmm, that seems pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So what's the worst mission you can get? You can essentially lower the res cost by six in 14. combination, right? What, how is it 14? Three brain taping warehouses. Oh, if you got three. Yeah. Ah, cool, cool, yeah. yeah. Up, to th- up to 14 in Magical Christmas Land. That would, would kind of give you a reason to use that HB card from a few packs ago that dereses something? Is that, hmm. is that a thing? Because then you, when you, you can res it again to trigger it, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, no, you can't, not including Surat City Grid, but if you had something else in the no, server, if, yeah. But you can... Brain taping warehouse is an asset, yeah, yeah. right? Why would yeah. you want to? I still don't understand why you would want to do that. Does doesn't only trigger when you res the brain taping warehouse? No, you would just install like an Eve campaign in the Surat City Grid server. Oh yeah, how do you have three uh, brain taping warehouses in the server? Yeah, that's what I'm just... so they're just like sitting there by themselves, and then your opponent yeah. never runs it. Oh, do they okay, don't, don't, do they work on all servers? They work on all servers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 sweet. Yeah, cool. yeah they're right, just yeah. assets. They're not upgrades. Excellent. Um, the other just the other thing I wanted to quickly mention on this, I did try it out in um, a Gagarin build, uh, and I think it plays quite well into Wayland's general strategy of trying to score out agendas in the first few turns, uh, because you're foregoing the face down aspect of your ice um so it's not a mystery anymore you're essentially laying your hand down but you're saying to the runner uh because i'm getting this two cost discount on every piece of my ice i'm going to be that much faster than you that you're not going to be able to get in on the next few turns and i'm going to use those few turns to score out points and if you go with that sort of strategy it can be reasonably successful because you've got two or three pieces of ice um a discount of two on each one can add up to you know four or six credits plus another two credits somewhere else on a central to help you defend whilst you're scoring um and that sort of play yeah can get there but i think it's probably a little bit too low in power level particularly given where wayland's ice is at right now to be able to consistently be keeping runners out particularly if they're playing fast so if the metagame shifts a bit and wayland gets some better ice um and is able to more consistently keep runners out or at least present um, more issues for runners running remotes, then this card is going to be a part of one of those decks in the future, I really think. Um, or, as Jacob said, if you're getting you know, 14 credit discounts on your Bioroids, um, that's also another way that you can leverage the power to say, here, I've got a server that is really difficult for you to get into because I'm not supposed to be able to have that sort of server at this point in the game, um, and I'm going to try and score some agendas out in it. So I, I really like this card for that reason because it makes remote play viable in a slightly different way to Ashok Caprice. Excellent. So that was Democracy and Dogma, the DAG of the cycle. DAD. (laughs) DAG. (laughs) Um, Any final thoughts on the pack, guys, before we wrap up? Sure. Yeah, the fact that there are four cards in this pack that, you know, have, what are they called? Politicals. All the political cards work best with IG as Jesse said, is maybe not the best uh, timing decision given, uh, you know, what people are thinking about Netrunner as it is, especially since Boombat City Hall is A, great, and B, goes in that strategy as well. Um, but in terms... There are some very interesting cards. I just wish that the they were maybe, like, maybe the cycle was spread out over different packs so that we wouldn't have these four cards that obviously go in one deck that people think is already people already thought was good well I mean this is a kind of different build of the deck but like I'm sure you guys understand what I mean that the maybe these cards could have been timed somewhat differently but obviously it's impossible to tell if you're FFG that uh, it's obviously impossible to tell that if you're FFG so who knows like there are some cool cards so hopefully the ones that 
actually promote interesting games turn out to be good. But normally they do that with all the cycles, right? Like the dogs and the divas and stealth, they kind of spread out. Oh, and even the Kaisa, but this one they're just like, nope, just have them all right now. Well, I thought that uh, they were st they used to do that, but then like as of the Sansan cycle, they stopped doing that because like people were complaining about having Rook, but not Pawn or... The other pieces, yeah. Yeah, which made sense, I think. So yeah, I think I don't, they've I don't gone for that, cycles yeah. that are more integrated, putting them together. Things like um, the uh, Chrome Parlor things, what were they called? Cybernetics? Yeah, the Cybernetics. Um, yeah, so when you've got things that are sort of cybernetic tribal cards, you obviously want as many cybernetics in the pack as possible. Um, but yeah, it does seem strange. Maybe they've made a call that the Divas don't need to be in the same pack because they all operate independently. But then you could probably say the same about the political assets. I don't know. <laughs> but in general, power level of these Corp cards, I think every single one of them is playable probably except bailiff and voting machine initiative but yeah sorry yeah i i think in general you know we said at the start of our runner review that this pack was pretty high powered and i think that the fact we've had to actually say wow we think these cards are too good is not something we often do in our card review so it just shows that yeah this pack's pretty pushed in general Excellent. And once again, thank you to Jacob Morris for coming on, taking the time out of your busy uh, regionals organizing afternoon to come on and spam with us on the winning agenda. We appreciate it, as always. Uh, we look forward to having you again in a couple of weeks when we talk about uh, Franchise City. Is it the next no. next pack? Did I make that no, up? That, that's well, uh, yeah, you made yeah. that up. <laughs> it's a Soul Set Island. Soul Set, yeah, that's pretty much the same thing obviously perfect perfectly reasonable <laughs> just less yucca bean. There. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the meantime if you guys want to get in contact with us you can do so at the winning agenda gmail.com you can hit us up on twitter at winning agenda and you can go like us on facebook our like page is the winning agenda so until next monday guys see you then bye bye thanks guys thanks for listening to you.